Hello everyone, thank you for joining us today. We're opening up the doors. Our presentation will start in a few minutes. Thank you. Hello and thank you for joining us today. This is our first webinar of the year. We're going to wait a couple more minutes for the rest of the audience to join and then we'll get started. While we're waiting for everyone to come on board, I'm going to go over a few basics about our webinar today. My name is Leah Freeberg from Fluke Excelix. And as you may know, Fluke is a longtime test tool provider, including some of the industry's favorite reliability tools, infrared cameras, vibration meters. But you may not know that many of the measurements that our tools collect now flow automatically into your EIM and other systems of record. And it happens via a framework, a backend, that we call Fluke Excelix, the sponsor of this webinar. Our goal in doing this is to collect more asset management data, the right kind of data, and funnel it into the existing asset management system. And of course, this all turns around best practices in condition-based maintenance. So that's why this series of webinars explores reliability maintenance strategies. And that's how we feature speakers from a variety of expert backgrounds. So before the presentation, we have a few housekeeping items to go over. Today's session is being recorded, so your phone lines are muted to minimize background noise. We will save time after the presentation for your questions. And of course, questions are going to come up during, and you are welcome to use the questions feature on GoToWebinar. Have a look for it now. You can enter a question anytime, we'll log it, and then at the end of the talk, we will share as many of the questions as we have time for with our presenter. If there are unanswered questions at the end, we'll go through and send written answers. If you'd like to receive the slides from today's presentation, please let us know. There'll be a survey at the end of the talk. Complete the survey and then you'll receive a copy of the slides. We will also post a recording of this webinar online on excelx.com within a day or two. All right, that's it for housekeeping and now on for the main event. Today, we are very pleased to have with us the one and only Jack Nicholas. Jack will be presenting on preparing your people for transitioning to Industry 4.0.
Jack has nearly 50 years of experience leading, teaching, training and consulting and maintenance and reliability for governments, utilities, commercial venues, internationally. I'm sure many of you have gotten the chance to see him in person. If not, you're in for a real treat today. He served on the organizing exam development certification and accreditation committees and board of directors of the Society for Maintenance Professionals Certifying Organization, SMRPCO. He was its exam director who led the efforts to achieve initial accreditation for the CMRP scheme in accordance with ISO 17024, personal certification standard in 2007. He's the lead author or co-author or editor of 12 books, numerous professional papers, conference presentations and magazine articles on RM subjects and is a frequent keynote presenter. Good morning, Jack. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Leah. And good day, everyone. Very happy to be able to present this. I did a 90-minute workshop at the last Fluke conference in November of 2019 uh, in sunny Fort Myers, Florida. Uh, and at the end of this presentation, should you desire it, the full deck of all of the slides that I used at that workshop will be available to you. What I'm going to talk about today are what big data and advanced analytics can do to provide major impact on your operations and maintenance and reliability programs. What you need to be able to do is educate yourself on the results that you can get from various approaches. And there are lots of different approaches from major suppliers of services in this field. What you need to understand is how the selective application, that emphasis on selective application of new capabilities can offer you through the Internet of Things, big data management, cloud computing, and advanced analytics. So you need to get the latest information and understand what's worked before and why, and I'll give you a reference there where you can get some information on that. And you need to acquire the skills needed to be able to take best advantage of the new things that are coming in as a result of Industry 4.0 and digitalization of your data collection and analysis capabilities. can't hear me. But you need to go back and look into the things that you already are doing, such as SCADA, RCM, TPM, root cause analysis, and defect elimination. You need to develop a plan that has a chance of success. You know where it is in parts from one? I am not sure what that background noise is. Uh, we should have everyone muted. Um, if there's anyone who's not muted for some reason, let's make sure to chat, cut down the back channel. He's over in He can open a parts room. He's got a combo. The question is whether I can overcome that. You need to develop a plan to ensure success. And you need to sell and gain support and the resources to implement and monitor the progress of your plan, which is and should be a living plan. I'm going to talk primarily about machinery information, but you're going to be competing with other organizations that also are using Internet but I don't have capabilities and advanced analytics. They can't hear me talking. But you can get a lot of information on the health, performance, and integrity or condition given the right sensors and the capability to evaluate your outputs. We used to do this by management by walking around. 
observing meters and gauges, and then also recording on log sheets the information How are you? with the idea of looking at all yeah, the readings that were taken that particular day and it, we analyzing those to see whether there's problem. any changes that indicate an onset of a problem. I guess so, the, what happened... More recently, the aggregation and fault diagnosis is being performed by electronic devices such as your PLCs, that's programmable logic controllers and tablet computers. Or you may use condition monitoring technologies such as vibration analysis. And in the most advanced and largest organizations, there are central analysis centers that use models for every failure mode to figure out what's going wrong with the machinery, if anything. Leah, can you uh, put up the first you do a mechanical issue on I the certainly can. And I do I do want to ask again that everyone check their mute status because for some reason you we want to swap what's going on. All right. We're going to put up the first poll. And we're doing this to see how we're syncing between what we're talking about today with what uh, you in the audience are experiencing. So first the question, came off. We just does your organization on. believe it will benefit from adopting digital then, all these IIoT technology or industry footprinting capability for machine monitoring? So you've got three options here on screen. We're going to launch the poll now. Because a local vendor on their shelf. Please let one of these, uh, one of these options. Um, he'll probably need someone to sign yes. off the motors. About I do believe it will benefit. No, I don't think that your organization, my organization, will benefit, or I'm not sure. He's off. I'll I'm find not out. sure is an absolutely perfectly plausible answer. <laughs> Hopefully today. We're going to I give it a few more minutes here. Right. Uh, oh, we're at 70%, so maybe a few more seconds, and I then I will close the poll, and we will all be able to see what the answers are. Nothing happened. All right. And then second shift. Okay. They don't usually run We're at long. 75%. And I'm going to close the poll here in just a moment. And then I'm going to keep trying to figure out what this annoying back channel is. And I apologize to everyone that um, that's happening. All right. Closing and sharing. So we have 57% of folks feel that they are going to benefit from digital transformation. 9% say no, and 34% aren't sure. So I bet if we compare this to a couple of years ago, that's a pretty interesting um, positive result. What do you think, Jack? I think it's uh, better than two years ago. I'm going to share some results uh, later on in the presentation, and it looks like things are improving. And I'm going to also cover a way of further assuring that you have success in this field. Now, the question is, why am I able to talk on this subject? Well, they can't hear us talk. The 1970s. Sorry about this, we have a audio issue going on. Jack, if you will unmute yourself, that should allow you to present again.
Jack, are you able to unmute yourself? My apologies for the interruption, everyone. We're working to address this. Jack, we've lost you as a presenter. Are you there? My apologies to everyone. Please stay on the line. Do not close. Leah, it looks like maybe he needs to enter his pen again. He has one. It says attendee can't be unmuted until they enter their pen. Right. Jack, if you have your pen, if you can please enter it now. Jack, your PIN number is 42. If you can enter your PIN number, that should allow you to come back online. Leah, it now says, okay, looks like it's okay now. Jack, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Oh, fabulous. I apologize to everyone for that. We do appear to have muted the unfortunate background noise in the meantime, but I am so sorry for that. All right, Jack, as you were. In the 1970s and 80s, I was very fortunate to be involved with a condition monitoring and performance monitoring program for 122 nuclear power submarines at its peak. We monitored up to 65 systems, not the reactor itself, but other systems that made the ship a submarine, up to four times a year. And we did analysis on three levels, similar to what's happening today with Industry 4.0. First, at the machine being monitored was data collected with portable equipment, and local at each plant, that is at the operating sites where the, from which the submarines uh, sailed, and at the Central Analysis Center, uh, which was located in the Maryland area. We engaged about 190 mostly enlisted personnel at nine operating ports. And, uh, and in my office at its peak, we had 165 mostly civilian personnel. That was where the central analysis center was, where our computer center was, our cloud, if you will. 
And, and we had an uncounted number of civilian contractors supporting us in various ways, such as conducting reliability center maintenance analysis. And we had civil servants at two vibration analysis centers that were located respectively at Annapolis, Maryland, and in Bremerton, Washington. This shows the state of the program where we had nine sites with this 190 personnel, and we communicated by satellite uh, at the end of the program. And initially, we transferred everything by courier, uh, and including vibration data, which then went to our vibration analysis centers on each coast. We would do the analysis and provide prescriptive maintenance recommendations to everybody involved in supporting the submarines, as well as the submarine itself using the Navy communication system, that is, radio transmissions to the ships of naval messages that contained anywhere from 10 to 20 prescriptive recommendations, depending upon what systems we were monitoring in the previous uh, period of time. This program was very, very successful. The first 31 ships we took into the program, we started with three, wound up with 31, and ultimately 122 when we took on not just the ballistic missile submarines, but also the attack submarine force. Um, we were able to reduce for this first 31 ships, uh, life cycle maintenance costs by 11%. We avoided the cost. We didn't give the money back to the government. We just used it for other things. But we also had a 17% increase in mission availability because we weren't sending the ships to the shipyard. We were continuing to operate them on the schedule that had been set uh, for the routine periods between shipyard visits. And in some cases where we had enough reactor core life remaining, we were able to increase the operational life by up to 50%. 36 years in one case, 33 in another, and a few other ships that had remaining core life for lesser amounts of time. And in that period, we had absolutely no reduction in ship reliability emission readiness, which was already extremely high because of the nature of the design of the ships. What it did was reduce the need for additional submarines to meet defensive commitments. You're gonna get a big payoff if you adopt the industrial internet of things and big data management and predictive analytics because having access to historical data in the whole fleet allows you to quickly provide a comparison with newly received information. And you're, being, you're able more quickly to detect faulty replacement parts that have entered the supply system. And this occurs over the life cycle of any organization, whether it's military or otherwise. You can also detect the signs of aging of components or major systems so that you can apply resources to counter the effects uh, that could be developed and deployed to counter them. And more, more readily uh, detect assets that are not performing as, as expected because of whatever reason their degradation is occurring. You know, I have a strong basis for changing criteria for performance and condition when required to meet safety, health, or environmental or emission requirements. And you're able to provide what we now call prescriptive maintenance recommendations, and where appropriate, alert the logistics supply chain for the need to support. And we did this several times when it became obvious that we needed to beef up the supply system and the logistics of, associated with keeping the ships operational at the high level of performance that was demanded of them. You're also being able, also able to inform equipment suppliers quickly when their products are experiencing unexpected failures. 
and operating difficulties in service. Uh, This shortened the cycle time between recognizing the problem and correcting the problem so that the fleet was well supported. Connectivity today can be established electronically from components. We had to take the data portably, record it in some form, in this case, compatible with the computers that we had at the time, and they were fairly uh, ancient computers by comparison to what we have today. Uh, local connectivity today is made by Wi-Fi, Ethernet, and other protocols. Uh, with Li-Fi coming into use, I'll explain that in a minute. The industrial Internet of Things, or the Internet of Things by itself, um, transmit a lot of data by 4G long-term evolution technology. And by 2022 or 23, you'll have very extensive use of 5G long-term evolution communications links, which will eclipse the capabilities in terms of the volume, velocity, value, and variety, the four Vs of the long-term evolution mantra. But to prepare and start with defining your ultimate goals for converting to a digital future, leading to a higher level of reliability, Um, What will happen is that you'll have fewer complete failures by providing early warning of the onset of degradation. And you'll concentrating on preserving function, which is a reliability-centered mantra, um, rather than just restoring lost capability. So you'll have fewer emergency or crisis actions. But you need to apply other methodologies in order to take advantage of this, and I'll explain how to do this. Uh, later on in this presentation. The methodologies that I'm going to recommend are RCM, root cause analysis, uh, defect elimination, and other methodologies that have been used for decades to improve performance, quality, throughput, and other features of an organization. Now, sensors are rapidly improving. Uh, An increasing number are coming to market. Some are smart, others just provide raw data. But they, in order to take advantage of the Internet of Things and big data management and all the things that come with that, uh, you have to have digital outputs and wireless connectivity where you have to convert to provide it. And that's becoming easier and easier because of wireless capabilities. Uh, The energy to power the sensors and the wireless links most often comes from batteries today. In in the long term, we may see longer life fuel cells that are in the development pipeline. But the biggest advancement in sensor energy may be the development of ambient energy harvesting or scavenging methods to charge galvanic cell power uh, circuits using the sources such as mechanical vibration itself of a machine can charge a galvanic cell and provide enough power to transmit the data that the sensor is creating uh, or sensing. Uh, You also may use thermal, natural light, a magnetic field, or nuclear radiation energy for that uh, purpose, just to charge those galvanic cells to provide the power for transmission. Now, originally when Industry 4.0 came into use, Uh, Emphasis was placed by the service providers on filling the cloud with data, getting the information off-site and to their capabilities in the cloud. But just as happened with the Navy program, increasingly the demand was for data to be created locally 
processed locally, analyzed locally. So what you're seeing, and this is really a phenomenon in the past two or three years, is a move towards edge computing. But you need to understand what to collect, what data is tied to actual or likely failure modes, standing alone or in combination with any other sources of data. Now, this also is creating a new market, uh, such as that managed by Intel, where they announced a credit card size compute card. This is a full computer with memory, storage, input and output options, Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connectivity. It came into the market in 2017, and depending upon how much memory you have, the cost of each of these is less than $1,000, some as low as three or $400. In addition, Google uh, recently introduced an all, uh, a artificial intelligence chip. They call it the Edge TPU. This is a tiny machine that uh, has a learning accelerator and can be trained to perform inference analysis. These chips are so small that six of them could fit within the perimeter of a US one set coin. Quite small and once connected to a compute card or other capability can provide you with artificial intelligence right at the machine. Now Wi-Fi is currently used most often as a wireless approach uh, using protocols such as Zigbee, uh, SmartDust and other capabilities. Uh, Bluetooth communications can be employed with uh, short range application. Uh, Bluetooth 6 is a, the latest version. It has a wider range of capability. Um, well, Li-Fi is a relatively new technology that's now being installed, for example, in aircraft and other places where um, illumination is being converted to um, light-emitting diode capability for energy reasons. Li-Fi encodes messages in flashes of light. The light doesn't penetrate walls or other windowless containment boundaries, which is great from a security standpoint, and it doesn't interfere with any other electromagnetic signals, and it's more easily installed because the same cable supplying power to the LEDs can carry the data. If you have an, I, an Apple uh, iPhone and it has the uh, operating system 9.1 or later, buried in it is the term Li-Fi capability. You may not have the sensor to be able to sense those messages yet, but it's coming and, it, and not in the distant future. In the most advanced analysis center, uh, you may have a virtual or digital twin plant. This is on a computer and established with all the characteristics of a real plant built into it. Uh, the virtual twin contains all the information for normal safe operations. And as you in the manufacturing business may know, you're gonna change over time. You're gonna to try to get more and more out of your capability to manufacture things. That means that changes are gonna occur. And this requires constant attention to ensure accuracy of the twin as operating conditions changed uh, over time, which they will. Ideally, anything out of the ordinary comes to your attention through alerts um, or by, analysis by in-house analyst. This remote analysis uh, is the final stage of analysis capability and it could be located hundreds or thousands of miles away from your plant. 
but it allows your personnel to make decisions concerning what you must make these decisions concerning what data to forward. And it can be very expensive if you make the wrong decisions. My estimate is that less than 5% of all the data that's collected is being analyzed effectively for detection of failure modes. But the decisions could be based on both tangible and intangible returns um, and the analytics provided by the service provider. Um, the advantages of big, high-capacity big data management exceed those but all the most well-equipped in-house analysis centers. Uh, and you don't want to be saddled with the maintenance of those data management centers uh, if you're a small organization because the expense and the need for certain skills uh, far exceeds most organizations' capabilities. Uh, this is an example of an analysis network where you have edge computers, uh, computations done by the edge computer with transmission by Bluetooth, Zigbee, or Li-Fi into a gateway and onto wired capability for a local server and a local analysis stations. And then through a firewall to protect your data against hackers, uh, you send it on to a computer data center in the cloud where advanced analytics can be applied. So you go from raw data to structured plant-wide actionable information, and then with selected information sent on to the cloud, you get actionable insight based on deep data mining and advanced analytics. Here are a few examples of analytical methods uh, that I pulled off of a website from Pattern Discovery Technologies in Canada um, where they use one called association rule. They have four or five different ones for exploratory data mining. Data-based spatial clustering, uh, using the, which looks for clusters of problems that are starting to recur so that you get the full picture uh, easily, computer doing the work for you. And high-dimensional data visualization, uh, this visualization is done by the computer, not by humans, but it can be visually displayed on a screen so you can understand what the computer is coming up with, as well as various methods of regression and statistical methods of that type, as indicated here. Now, comparable data from affiliated and unaffiliated plants can be accumulated and used to hasten reaching conclusions about what's happening with your equipment over time. So you get these data into the cloud from multiple sources having similar equipment used under similar circumstances, and you can gain a great deal of wisdom about what's going on in your plant uh, without actually experiencing the failures that others may have uh, experienced before you. So you get some real advantages here. Uh, you get useful information, particularly for manufacturers who want to keep ahead of the game for equipment uh, on clients who have purchased their products and want to des they design modifications, which they'll sell you, uh, that lessen their warranty costs or provide post-warranty solutions that will lead to additional sales. So this is a matter of providing a good service, and you can get this information that you need to figure out what service to provide through cloud computing. Um, for those equipment suppliers that provide not the equipment but uh, 
services such as engine hours or utilities such as high-pressure air, big data and cloud-based services make economic sense for both the supplier and all the clients that they serve because if they have information on what's going wrong with their equipment, they can avoid failures, keep the equipment up, keep the supply up of whatever it is that they're providing at your expense. Time series analysis often takes a substantial amount of data or a large amount of time to accumulate sufficient information upon which to draw definitive conclusions. So uh, you need to be careful about what you send off for time series analysis. Uh, this is a real problem uh, of expense. Uh, and so you have to be very cognizant of why you're sending the data off and what results you expect from it. As I mentioned before, you're trying to get wisdom on how your plan operates. And with today's employment uh, longevity of many uh, employees, uh, you need to be able to get this information uh, from a source other than internally in many cases. So what you get out of this arrangement that I've indicated, particularly from the advanced analytics capability, is the wisdom about the plant that's being monitored using all these capabilities. The description of wisdom is the prescriptive advice and procedures to help achieve targets, such as safety, health, environment, quality, and schedule, throughput, efficiency, yields, and profits. Uh, this is a definition that was part of what we used to do in the 70s and 80s with the nuclear submarine data. We would recommend specific repairs, replacements, or actions to take to minimize future failures through the messages that we signed out. In the end, when I retired in 1988, we were sending out one to two messages per day with 10 to 20 recommendations on them, about 65 systems or so that we were monitoring. Leah, can we see the next poll question? We certainly can. So, as we mentioned earlier, our goal here is to align where you're at with all this information that Jack is presenting. And this is really great stuff, Jack. Thank you. So for our second poll, the question is, where is your organization positioned relative to digital transformation, IoT or Industry 4.0 for machinery monitoring? So how much progress have, have you made? Um, and I'm going to give you the chance to answer. So pick just one, please. Have you passed the pilot stage of your new digital project and are you headed to full implementation? Are you in the pilot stage right now? Are you planning for a pilot or do you have no plans yet? Again, it's all fair. And keep in mind, obviously, that there are so many different applications here. So I suspect, and Jack, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I suspect we're talking about you know, your first big step into the waters. So if you've passed your first big step, then you'd be on the first selection there. Um, in, you know, there may be many other pilots to come. A lot of people segment it throughout their, their plant. We have 64% people who have voted. I'll give it a couple more seconds until we get over 70% and then we'll see what we get. All right, I'm going to close the poll and share the results with you all. And it looks like we still have a fair number of people who are still looking to get in. This is great. 
This is interesting. So Jack, what do you think? We've got 6% who've passed pilot, 9% who are in pilot, 43% who are planning, and 42% who have no plans. Um, that's really worse than I thought. Um, <laughs> but this is a purely unscientific poll uh, based so exclusively on whoever signed up for this webinar and is participating in it. Right. So uh, I'll take that for what it's worth. Okay. And I appreciate to... I appreciate yeah. the results. Thank you. I'm going to hide the results now and then back to you. Let's talk about local analysis center capabilities. Um, if you have a fairly large plant and you've been able to afford to get one, you should benefit from having a virtual twin plant in a computer with the most advanced uh, internal analysis centers have. Um, it would be a object-oriented supervisory control and data analysis or SCADA software uh, plus models for each of the failure modes that you're trying to monitor. Uh, from the inception of PC-based human-machine interface and supervisory systems, SCADA organizations uh, have used TAG-based SCADA. Uh, TAG systems use a flat list of tags with built-in hierarchy, relationships, and interdependencies. And in order to maintain this, you need people with programming capabilities. Um, however, in recent years, um, tab-based SCADA has been replaced by object-based. Um, what the problem with tag-based SCADA systems is that um, while it creates common graphics containing scripts which uh, switch the tags in runtime, uh, because this structure is flat, uh, you, the user must then change each tag, tag in the system and analyze how the change affects the rest of the application. Those of you who have SCADA may have uh, been frustrated by the fact that it's often out of date. And the reason it's out of date is it requires significant maintenance uh, in order to keep it uh, in line with what's actually going on in your plant. So it consumes a significant amount of labor and costs in order to keep the SCADA current. If you don't have an internal SCADA organization that's capable of doing that, you have to hire contractors to do it, it's even worse in many cases because of the delay time between what you have and what you want. In object-based SCADA, um, application objects contain a lot of other information. It contain all the events, alarms, security calculations, uh, data collection, the communications and scripting associated with the assets. Uh, and it just doesn't represent specific plant equipment all the objects can be standardized and then used across all supervisory applications to drive consistency of design and operation, which is often a problem, particularly in large plants with many different lines and different people maintaining and operating those lines. Well, so, but you can include in an object-based SCADA all the calculations and database access, the KPIs, events, uh, the enterprise the enterprise resource planning data, uh, mobile operating procedures, and manufacturing execution system tasks. So object-based SCADA is the way to go, and you may want to consider converting to object-based SCADA. This will radically reduce the time spent maintaining and upgrading the capabilities because 
um, you can select an object from an existing library and either use directly or with slight modification, you can add knowledge sources for operators and asset condition monitoring specialists to use in gaining understanding of what's happening uh, or not with the systems in your charge. Uh, this is from a paper that I've referenced at the bottom of this, and it's in the slide deck that you will receive if you want to get one. Now, you need the skills for dig big data management, cloud computing, and advanced analytics, at least at the data center location or with, at places where the data center is available. Uh, of all the specialists in data or analysis centers, uh, the one that's most important and it is the data scientist. You also need other specialists, particularly at cloud-based data centers, who maintain the computers and all the peripheral equipment, the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning system, which is a big problem in data centers, uh, the physical security components, where they have specialists that ensure the integrity of the data against hackers, and protection against power outages every second of all years, where you have multiple backup power capabilities for people uh, to ensure that the computers are going to continue to operate and communicate uh, and receive data from all the different sources that they're getting it. Now, I want to concentrate on one particular area uh, that is more likely to be something you should be thinking about. Um, it's unlikely you're going to be able to afford or even hire or find all of the specialists that I've indicated in the titles listed on the previous slide. Um, but for most organizations, a few specialists may be needed on a temporary basis. These can, you can get from contractors offering these services. And there are an increasing number of industrial internet of things solution providers. But the most important of these are data scientists. And the concept is not to have a specialist data scientist from a contractor, although you may use some at some point in time, is to create your own. We call them citizen data scientists. They select the algorithms and build or apply already proven advanced data models and train and deploy them. They're responsible for the math, whether applied locally or at a remote data center. They, at least they have to understand what's happening with the data that they're getting. Uh, Mike Gilfoyle um, had an article on this subject um, uh, in 2016. And there is some dispute as to whether you can create data scientists, but I've done some research on this and found online training programs at very low cost that can teach you pretty much what you need to know to be able to become a data scientist on your own. And who should do that? Well, they could become your subject matter experts, the people who know the most about your systems and the ones who are likely uh, to be able to uh, make the decisions on what advanced analytics can apply to uh, analysis of failure modes that are likely to occur. Your engine, if you have engineers in your organization who are beyond an education, as standard subject matter experts, they can fill the role of data scientists also. So, they can use the skills to wring more value from the analytics solution that you have. Um, analytics providers are moving quickly to build out these tools so you can buy software that'll help you um, get rich data visualization, 
um, where and you can add data streams there and figure out what works for you to create those aha moments using data algorithms and models that you can create from these uh, analytical software programs that are coming. A good place to start about learning about the Internet of Things or the Industrial Internet of Things is the Industrial Internet Consortium. They have a website. It'll be on the slide in the slide deck also, and they have some free download pubs. Now, the ones that I've referenced here are the ones that are most current, but this is a highly uh, changing uh, area of, and you should be looking to um, get more recent versions uh, sometime in the near future because the things are changing. Um, and you need to develop a plan, and the plan has to be substantial. Um, and it provides all the details you need to be able to get from the start point to the point where you are actually implementing industrial Internet of Things capabilities in your organization. Um, and what you need, <clears throat> once you start developing connectivity for tra transmission of raw and edge ca calculated results to the plant, you, f you can figure out pretty much what you need to send off. And you with the proper planning, you can ensure crypto security, particularly if you have the support of your uh, IT people uh, in your organization. And you need to establish means of communications for actionable fines to plant personnel, whether it's by phone uh, or email or other means of communications. Here's an outline of a typical plan um, I won't go into the details here. They are contained in a book that I've written uh, in Chapter 7 that's available from the reliabilityweb.com MRO Zone bookstore it's called Asset Condition Monitoring Management. It was published in 2016. Um, and I have to say that uh, other than having substantial information in the plan, when you send it up the chain to the sea level, the only thing that most large organizations senior executives will read are first the executive summary, which is in the front pieces of it, and second, the budgets and schedules. But you have to have substantial information in there in addition to make that plan weigh something uh, and appear to be uh, substantial in, in and of itself by its heft. Um, but it should be a living document. When you start executing the plan, you're going to find you're going to have to change it as you learn lessons from where you were at the start to where you want to be two or three years later. The first year, you may change the plan four or five times. The second year, maybe twice. And the third year, you might go to an annual update of the plan uh, to support your organization. You need to get key members of departments such as information technology, human resources, and other people on your side. And having a substantial plan helps do that so that they understand that you're not just whistling in the wind, you've got something, a solid basis for needing their help. And if you get to sea level to get them to help you, you're going to be more successful than not. But you need to understand what to continue in-house. And one of the things you need to think about is what maintenance am I going to conduct and why am I going to conduct it? And that's based on failure modes and effects analysis, which is the key heart uh, step in uh, reliability-centered maintenance analysis. Um, success will depend on 
having firm knowledge about failures historically experienced or likely in the future. <clears throat> so you need to review all your current maintenance requirements and figure out how you can get rid of any time-based tasks, particularly those that are intrusive. They must be replaced with condition-directed tasks if there is a likely failure mode that they're looking for. Failure modes that are not easily identified and may only be visible through data mining and advanced analytics should be sent to the cloud and then wait for the results, which may take a long time to get. The methodology that I recommend for achieving this is called data farming. A survey conducted by Cisco Systems uh, and presented in May 17 at the Internet of Things World Forum in London revealed that 60% of IoT initiatives stalled at the proof of concept stage. Only 26% considered their IoT deployments as being successful. And overall, nearly three-fourths of these initiatives were considered a failure, while a third of all projects completed were not seen as success. Uh, and the fact is that only a small portion of the data, I previously mentioned less than 5% is being accumulated and being analyzed in any meaningful way. So how do you improve the capability here? Uh, first of all, you don't need as many people as I used to have in the organization that I was head of uh, in 1988. Uh, but you have a much wider variety of analytic methods available. And you have new capabilities for artificial intelligence, which we had at the time in the 1980s, and human involvement reduced to only the most difficult analysis and interpretation tasks. We were able, for example, to cut our vibration analysis manpower requirements by 90% using artificial intelligence uh, software. The method I recommend is called data farming. Uh, fertile fields for data farming are found in the RCM root cause analysis and defect elimination. They provide the seeds, which are the tasks derived from proven schemes that we've been using for decades, especially if the tasks are non-intrusive and involve data collection and interpretation. And once you've implemented these, these data have value because they're looking for specific things. This requires careful resource management. That is, you have to filter the information that you're sending on to the system. This is a process diagram of the farming process. You take these three methodologies, findings, you subject it to a question of whether or not you can find the failure mode or cause detectable with data. And if you can, then you can analyze it. And you can use analytics libraries and artificial intelligence, which I miss, mentioned before. If you don't, it creates a wish list, which you should take to any conference or exhibit where representatives of the Internet of Things industry uh, and industry of 4.0 are present. So you are farming for specific failures, harvesting the results and disseminating them uh, to all the people who need to know in order to take action. Let's do the final poll question, and then I'll quickly wrap this up. This fantastic, Jack. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you. So our last question, do you have a solid basis, such as reliability-centered maintenance, root cause analysis, or defect elimination findings for determining what data to collect for machinery condition or performance monitoring? As you've just mentioned, obviously, this is a critical part of figuring out what you need to do. So here's our poll. And your options are, yes, we do have RCM, et cetera, for deciding what kind of data to collect, or 
we have somewhat of a system or we don't or data farming still makes no sense to me and uh, that's understandable and it's a lot I greatly appreciate how you've broken it down Jack I think you've established a perfect level of next step detail here and for our particular audience obviously who many of whom are installed in our CM and root cause analysis always come back to that right so do you have a solid basis in RCM and RCA yes somewhat no or I don't get the data farming connection and we've got 62% voting we'll give it just a couple more seconds and then we'll see what we've got here and I'm sorry to hurry you along but I know that we're getting a little close to time all right I'm going to close it down and share it with you Okay, so 18% of folks do have a solid basis in RCM and RCA, and 47% have somewhat of a system of strategy. That's good. 33% um, are still working on it. They don't have a solid basis. And 1% uh, say data performing makes no sense. And I'm guessing a lot of people can relate to what you're asking here, Jack. Sounds good to me. It looks like I might have gotten the message across, particularly on data farming. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't my idea, by the way. It came out of the Naval Institute proceedings, uh, written by a young Navy lieutenant uh, wow. in an article called "Be First to Shoot," and basically they used data farming uh, at the Naval Postgraduate School and the Naval Surface Warfare Systems to uh, figure out uh, how to fight. Uh, oh. So this is something again from the Navy. So. Um, you, know, you need to get the maximum return on investment uh, from your investment in Internet of Things. Um, and um, the point is not to uh, do away with data mining or exploratory data mining because there's a great benefit from that. Um, but you need to be able to assure that you're getting your money's worth from whatever investment you make. Uh, it, particularly when in terms of data storage costs and searches for degraded conditions. It often takes a long time for clusters and patterns to develop, so you need to look not only at data farming, which is local, but also data mining, which is in the cloud. So you, you can look for specific things here and nonspecific or blind analysis here in data mining in the cloud. And it can occur at any level of the organization. You're farming here, you're harvesting locally, and you're both mining and farming in the cloud. So this is uh, another uh, concept uh, that expands the whole idea. Now you need to educate people above you as well as people below you on this subject. And they're probably already applying some of the Internet of Things things, uh, such as in sales and marketing. But you need to make your case on the basis of monetary value of an organization. And here's the most important slide from that standpoint, where you have your operation maintenance and reliability key performance indicators, such as uptime, asset life extension, uh, cost containment, safety, and quality, yield and throughput. But at the executive level, uh, they look at the money value, the increased revenue, cash conservation and flow, profit margin, risk mitigation, customer satisfaction, and capital investment. Uh, this uh, part of the uh, package was developed by 
Ralph Rio of ARC Research, uh, Industrial Internet of Things, uh, in a reference that I've got here. Um, and what you get is additional benefits, such as a better profit and loss and balance sheet. And from the standpoint of the executives and the C-level, larger bonuses, uh, less capital investment, which will result in larger bonuses, price flexibility, which sustains the organization, and other mar market advantages and uh, productivity improvement. So look at this slide when you uh, get that package. And in conclusion, uh, you get the latest information when you get smart about this whole subject of Internet of Things and industrial inter Internet of Things. Figure out what's worked before and why. Uh, another uh, good reference is uh, IoT World website, which has current information. Acquire the skills needed. Become Have your subject matter experts and or your engineers become citizen data scientists and revisit all those things that you should be doing. And according to organization, 47 plus 18% are doing more uh, than and using these methods and develop a plan and gain support and the resources to implement and monitor progress of your plan. You need to sell it to the C-level to get the resources and then implement. And a new book that's coming out shortly uh, is called Maintenance 4.0 Implementation Handbook. Uh, it's uh, by A.V. Nowitz and, um, from Presento and Emory University along with a whole lot of other guides that you'll see on the internet when you go to that uh, subject area. So we have a very short time for questions. I'll answer any that have been created online and the rest I'll answer in writing afterwards. Thank you so much, Jack. And uh, there's still time a little bit if folks want to uh, type in more questions into the questions tool. If you look at your dashboard, you should see a gray bar that says questions on it and you can type in there. So in the meantime, so Jack, I just want to say again, that is such an amazing step-by-step -step of breaking down the whole question of data for asset assessment and um, helping us get to the point of understanding what's required. I think that as we saw in the first poll answer, where a whole lot of folks were either in the planning stage or were uncertain about what to do next, it's it's a lot. And even though here, I think that you've, you've broken it down uh, and made it more accessible, I, I think it's still, still very, um, I think it's still very intimidating to folks. Um, do you think that there's an urgency for people? Do, do they need to do this soon? Are they, is, is there a risk for not moving forward with digitalization? I think from a competition standpoint, uh, your leading competitors in any field that you're involved with today are already seriously considering the mm -hmm. Internet of Things, uh, big data management, cloud technology, and all the things associated with it. But the most important thing is to know what it is you're going to monitor. It may only be 20% of all your assets, uh, and yet those 20% may create 80% of your increased profits. Mm -hmm. So you need to be able to uh, focus and get the right data to the right places in your three-level edge plant cloud uh, arrangement and benefit from that. 
So how do you sell using the cloud when a lot of management has a pretty severe aversion to it for security reasons? Look, um, the cloud has capabilities that you don't have mm -hmm. and you don't send everything and you can focus the data in such a way and with the proper security requirements uh, to protect it. Mm -hmm. If anybody is going to be able to do that, it's the people at the data centers. They mm -hmm. are specialists. You That's may true. not be able to even afford the specialists. They come at very high prices. I have a grandson who's a uh, significant other uh, is a crypto security specialist. Mm. And <clears throat> she trained at National Security Agency as a student and then was hired by a bank uh, mm -hmm. system uh, to help them with their crypto. She started as a senior right out of college <laughs> at $106,000 a year. Think yeah. about that. Yeah because they're in such demand. And I really appreciated yep. your citizen data scientist, by the way. I think that's very encouraging. Um, we have another question here. Uh, how do you show ROI of the data management function of this data? I'm sorry, ask the question again. Sure. So this is specific, this is an ROI question. And it's, is there an ROI for the data management function of a SCADA? So if I rephrase that, perhaps, if you're looking to increase or change your SCADA uh, to use it for more data management, um, would you ever, in your, in your chart of ROI, would you try to show an ROI for the use of the SCADA, for the cost of the SCADA, perhaps? No, I look at the whole picture. Yeah. Uh, looking at individual sections is often dangerous because you may have uh, some expenses exceed your benefits in some areas, but the overall picture looks better. Okay. So look at the whole picture, not just uh, one section of the picture. Okay. We didn't try to, in the Navy program, when we estimated our cost avoidance, uh, we didn't look at individual systems. We didn't look at individual ships or classes of ships. We look at the whole picture of the whole maintenance process and what it costs relative to what our costs were uh, taken against the avoidance of costs through not sending ships to the shipyard. Yeah, yeah, avoidance and, and just the, the sheer cost of not having the problem, right. All, the all this information flows to affect various things, like why do I have to go to a shipyard? Why can't I take the shipyard to the ship? Mm -hmm. and prevent the added costs of putting a ship into a yard. So we looked at the whole picture and the picture was uh, audited by the um, Government Accountability Office, uh, formerly called the Government Accounting Office. Uh, and they backed us up 100% on Good. the areas that they looked at. So uh, I'm confident that you can do this, but you have to look at the big picture and not the individuals. Wise, ad wise advice. We have a couple other questions about specific types of data um, and what sort of data to start with, but I think we're going to write back to you folks um, because we are at the hour. Jack, if you'll forward one more slide, I want to reassure everyone that uh, you will receive a copy of, these deck, of this deck. If you could please fill out the survey that will pop up as soon as I close the webinar out, we would greatly appreciate that. And please do come back for the next webinar. Jack, thank you so much for joining today. Thank you for putting up with our audio problems. We'd love to have you back sometime. This was fantastic. Thank you very much for the opportunity to present this information. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Well, have a great day, everyone, and we'll see you soon.